are looking to upgrade your arena account, maybe you want to get cosmetics or packs on the cheap. Well, either way, you can check out our sponsor, GreyVikingGames.com, and check out their wide selection of card cosmetics, avatars, sleeves, and card packs all for sale there. You can use our referral link in the description below of this podcast too. So check them on out. That way they can know that we sent you and you can get a little bit of money back. So sit back and enjoy the rest of this episode of Constructed Criticism. brand new episode of Constructive Criticism. I'm your host, just like every week, Spencer Howland, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Michael Hinderock. Oh, wait, hold on. What? What year is this? Uh, hi, Mason. When will I be good enough? When will I replace Michael Hinderock? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what do I have to do? <laughs> I, have, I have a good three-point shot, I swear. <laughs> That's good, because he and I both don't. Oh, perfect. We we actually used to play basketball at this indoor gym at my apartment complex, and the ceiling was so low that anytime he, like we would hit the ceiling all the time <laughs> trying to shoot it through. Oh, wow. That's yikes! <laughs> but who's really here, Mason? Well, Spencer, it's you joining us for a special guest this week to talk about the state of the network and my tried and true, my ride or die, my brazen bar clubbing co-host Abe. Abe, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm like really excited. This is like, you know, uh, Spencer's obviously the whole reason that we're even here uh, doing the podcast. And so getting to have him on for me as like the new kid on the block is, uh, I don't know, I'm like, it's like first day of school vibes, except I don't know, better. <laughs> yeah, well, today we're going to kind of talk about the network and everything like that and the future of the show and those sort of things as well and kind of touch bases on the show. We, we talked about two weeks ago now how it was the uh, 10 year anniversary of Constructed Criticism and maybe smarter, better versions of us would have done that episode at the same time that we're doing this now. But uh, who's to say? Who's to say? So instead we're doing that all. Eight uh, years, right? Not 10. Eight years. Sorry, that's what I meant. My bad. I misspoke. Too much time travel this episode already. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm losing the plot. Yeah. <laughs> the COVID timeline just has me completely and utterly twisted and turned around. I'll tell you what, it's so hard. Um, but yeah, but first we do need to do the main point of the show, which is always improving. And Spencer, it's been a while since you've done yours for the show, so I guess I'll let you start things off. What's your always improving moment this week? Oh man, uh, this week was really interesting for me in a couple of different ways. Uh, kind of because of the half season and stuff, my focus on magic has been a little like on arena. Cause like basically my, my goal right now is to get mythic and talk about the metagame on mythic cast. Um, so I try to have a clear understanding of limited, historic, and and standard. And, you know, standard is, like, one of the best it's ever been, in, like, my opinion. But historic has, like, a bunch of new cards, and that format got weird fast. Like, that, so I've mostly been trying to figure out historic 
to be able to talk about it on the podcast. But also, I actually spent so much time watching Super Smash Brothers Ultimate this week. Um, and th- the reason that I bring the dust up during this segment is my favorite Smash player, Tweak, actually took down. Uh, I don't really know how to explain it. Like I was trying to explain it to my wife, I was like, it's like, like bigger than a pro tour. Like it's like the like everything you would want a Magic Invitational to be. Summit is for uh, Smash Bros. And my favorite player happened to take it down this this weekend. It, the last time he had played in the event, he was the you know rated second best player in the world and took I think 13th at the event. And what happened after he won is he, he kind of talked about how he used COVID and the year and the the downtime to work on a few things. Like he started reading sports psychology books. He started, um, you know, he he really got into it with his coach, um, which um, I think it's Kareem DJ. I I I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but you know, really focusing on self-improvement during this time. And, and since I've left the podcast, um, I had a lot of life changes happen, uh, like a lot, a lot. And the last year for me, probably not the last few months, but like if you had asked me in, I don't know, like, like May or April, I would have said I just had the, the hardest 12 months of my entire life. And you know, I also used this time to really kind of change who I was as a person. One of the things that we used to talk about on this show when I was on it was how much I hated Arena Ladder and, you know, how much I hated things like even going back to Smash Bros, just like playing uh, Ladder in Smash Bros. And I realized that I had pretty bad ladder anxiety and anxiety overall in my life. And it's completely fixed. Like, I can just go jump into a ladder game whenever now. And it was really refreshing to see this person that I looked up to in this game and how they had changed in the, in the time since I've been watching them and kind of reflect like, you know, I was probably doing the right things this last year. Um, and I hope that other people like didn't feel the pressure to like change who they were during, during quarantine or things like that. But I, I do think that recognizing when maybe you did the right things and you really focused on the right things for a period of time is something that you need to congratulate yourself on rather than always worrying about what you could do next. So that, that was kind of a nice reflection moment for me when tweak one was like, you know, Spencer, you, you did this too. Like you talked to a therapist this last year and all this stuff. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's great that you've you know kind of overcome that as well, because not only is it something that I think is overcome for a lot of people, but, it's something that I'm sure a lot of listeners can really relate to and experience, even if they don't fully understand they do have ladder anxiety or heck, just term anxiety in general, you know, when things start to get a little bit in the later rounds pre-COVID, of course, and then hopefully post-COVID will eventually have this as well. But yeah, know, Abe, I think you and I have talked on the podcast before, too, relating to this about like getting pretty close to like the top eights and stuff like that. And it like kicks in a little bit, you know? Yeah, the, the knees weak, palms are sweaty moments. They're... uh they're tough and, and especially like when it comes to ladder too, like um it, it can be hard when you when you feel like there's so much riding on like this next match, there's always something that's like putting pressure on you. Being able to dispel that's huge and uh, you know, I'm really glad something you've been able to to work on and get over and kind of feel more at ease playing and trying to just uh, you know. That, just because every game's ranked doesn't mean every game is like, you know, yeah defining who you are. It, it's so it's it's really true and I think that like you know, the I think I took like six months and just basically played maybe two drafts a month and that was it. And the biggest thing, I guess the biggest takeaway for the listeners, if you want like something specific on that, is just that kind of what Abe is saying right now 
realizing that an individual match, an individual pip on the ladder or whatever, whether it's Hearthstone, whether it's Valorant, you know, whatever you're playing, does not really matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, and it, it sucks, right? I think that losing ranked just feels worse than like just losing yeah. a random match of magic and and learning how to get over that is, is important and it, it's probably different for every person like for some people i know they don't they don't struggle with that and for me it was more about like setting go- individual day goals so like i don't usually try and log off of arena on ladder unless i have ranked up once um, and then once I hit mythic, I either decide if I want to go for, you know, top 12, top 1200, or if I want to just start grinding gold and kind of align that with my goals and having those micro decisions as into the macro makes managing the macro much easier for me. I love to hear that. Hey, what was your always improving moment this week? Uh, it actually kind of ties in a bit. My always improving moment this week has a lot to do with vintage, uh, and the vintage mana traders event that I, uh, sadly, misplayed my way out of top eight of it, I think. I, I haven't gone back over the replay because it's kind of harrowing, and I definitely did not play that tournament very well, so I'm trying to kind of uh, put on the on the, on the back burner until I'm like, ready to, to go back and look at it. But, uh, you know, Vintage isn't a format that most people even play. It's not one that I play that much, but it was the mandatory format for this month. And um, there was a couple of key moments here, like... Uh, I was talking with Will Kruger about what deck we were going to play because we have this kind of like we're only going to play good deck packs with each other so that we can avoid like falling into the pitfalls of the format. And so we both decided to play uh, variants of the like Soltai mid-range deck, which is uh, you know probably one of the simpler decks you can play in the format. You should play Deathrite Shaman and blue cards, and you know Oko is really good. I don't know if you ever heard that before, um, but I was talking about how to build it and what build I was going to choose with. Uh, with Kane, who plays a lot of vintage, plays a lot of just all of the major moto constructed formats, and he kept on telling me to like play this Brazen Borrower over like some card because I needed it for like the Tinker matchup. And I was like, man, this just does not make any sense to me. Like, and I kept on fighting back against it. And I think I probably had like three or four different conversations with people where I was like, playing this Brazen Borrower was stupid. Like, why should you do this? It doesn't make any sense. And then I like took a step back and had this moment of humility of like, I don't even know what I'm talking about here. Like, I don't play vintage. These people do. I know that, like, I tend to, like, be a little bit uh, arrogant and maybe even a little bit bullheaded when it comes to my own, like, thought processes and decisions sometimes and magic. So let's take a step back and just listen and see, like, you know, look at it objectively. I decided to play it, and it was actually very good in my deck. And uh, while the case that we were talking about didn't come up, the card was much better than the card that I was going to play instead. Um, What was the card you were going to play? I was going to play, like, a third collector oof or something. It was, like super marginal but just having access to brazen bar actually gave me a lot of play in a lot of the games that i played and it was like a card i was always happy to draw and so you know it was like uh that moment of like being willing to listen to uh listen to someone else even when you think you're right uh who you know knows more than you was definitely one that like has been hard for me in the past and uh i definitely was about to fall into the trap of uh for that tournament but uh, I, I avoided it, and that was that was pretty good. I also had some stuff about, like, um, I played pretty bad in some of my early rounds. I was, like, really tired. The event was, like, much earlier than uh, my sleep schedule had been having me up recently. So I, like, was just not at my peak, but I was doing a really good job of, like, 
not letting that upset me to the degree that I was like lose. I was all crumbling. Like I was playing my B game or whatever. Um, but I never like dipped to being like totally non-functional in, in the games I was playing. And when it really mattered, I was able to focus up and, uh, and play pretty tight for like, you know, six or seven of the seven rounds. Depending on how you look at it. So. It's awesome. Well, Hey, glad to hear that all that sort of stuff happened and I'm sorry about missing out on the topic, but hopefully you'll go back and look and realize that, uh, you played perfectly and just got a little unlucky. Am I right? Won't that be yeah, great? We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, it, it's hard to say that when you just kind of decide in your brain that letting ancestor recall resolve is a good idea, but you know. All right, well, that's not going to happen, it turns out. We look, maybe we can work through loving ourselves. <laughs> always, this. always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, know, used, this. we used to do uh, vintage quarterly on the podcast. We would do a vintage episode every quarter. And the way that we would prepare for that is uh, former co-host and I, Casey Bloodworth, would get on a program that I don't think people use anymore called Cockatrice. And we would, like, play vintage for, like, five days straight. Just sit on the couch, play vintage. And those were some good days. So I'm like looking at deck lists, remembering that. <laughs> That's sick. And also, uh, social media manager for Wizards of the Coast, if you're listening, about to give us a preview card, and you heard those words that Spencer was talking about. I don't know them. I think that's like uh, a thing he and his buddy did. And so uh, I, yeah. I've never heard of that. And I love Wizards of the Coast and the Wildcard system. <laughs> and I bought a bunch of secret layers tonight. Uh, anyways, <laughs> my, my, my always improving moment uh, was. I, I kind of relapsed a little bit, and I uh, it, with this one I've been working on recently. So I played uh, my like weekly modern Winnebox thing, and I played Elementals this past weekend, which I was really excited to play. But my deck wasn't built well, and by that I don't mean like I got a bad deck list or I like I made some radical change. It was more like, hey, I don't have all the cards that I need, so I'm going to put some cards in. So for example, I didn't have like the Flamekin Harbinger, I didn't have my Companion. I did. I like, which was really funny. I played the elemental mirror, and he's like, "Are you five color Niv?" And then I like played an Omneth. He's like, "I still don't know," because <laughs> it's like nothing happened in the early games. But uh, my, my deck was like really kind of. I like just put some good cards in my deck, or whatever. And I was undefeated through the Swiss going into top eight, and you know I was feeling it. I was like, "Yeah, my deck isn't even built right. I'm great." Mason Clark at it again, changing the game beating up on everybody. I don't need those free companions, whatever. Can't wait till my cards arrive from Oasis Games next week. Mess them all up even more, even harder. We hit top eight, and I'm like, no sir on the split. Not happening today. We're, we're going to the top, baby. And I'm really far ahead against this blue-red deck. I am just beating the ever-loving dog crap out of them. And I realized, like, it occurs to me, like, dang, if I had the Orphan Guard or whatever, I would have them dead in a turn. And then like, I get a little like, eh, whatever, it's fine. I'll, I'll live my life, whatever. And then my opponent like goes like in a turn, thought scour, thought scour, thought scour, thought scour, or whatever. Like ha has like running them off, has no cards in hand except one. Like draws, plays a land, plays Murktide Regent for five, and says go. And I'm like looking at my hand, and I realize that like, oh, on the last turn, I should have actually played my second Omnath just to draw a card for like mana efficiency. That would have just been actually like the thing I was supposed to do. I was supposed to legend roll my Omnath. Okay, that's bad. Whatever. We're gonna move on with our life. We'll figure it out, you know. So like, I, I moved to my turn. Whatever. I can't attack now. He's got a huge Merc Tide, and I'm like getting pretty mad at myself or whatever for like not doing this mistake. I don't have the Orphan Guard. I'm like, ugh, whatever. Then he like rips another Merc Tide region off the top, plays it, and then I I die in two turns. I just can't kill him. Whatever. These things are in the way, and I let that like sloppy play, uh, sloppy play in the air and get ahead of me instead of playing tight technical magic, which I had got to that point. 
by playing really well and really tight and getting out of a lot of hairy situations against like hammer time and other blue red decks and control decks throughout the day and just playing really well and overcoming it. And then I let myself slip and I let it get to me. And that's just something that I shouldn't do. And I'm trying to always work on that. And it's important to notice when I lost, not because my opponent got lucky that they hit two Murktites off the top, but because I played poorly and could have got around that. And so that's where we are. And uh, one card deep one, I would have killed the Murktide region. So, <laughs> yeah, that is my always improving moment. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash ccmtg. And that's a way for you to help us. The show always be free, but if you want to give a little extra, that's a great place to go. You get to ask questions like the one we're about to do right now. And you also get to get deck lists and stuff like that and communicate with us in the Discord. It's pretty cool. Uh, this week's question is a little more nebulous. It's not so much always about improving and stuff. Sometimes they're fun questions. Sometimes they're matter Twitter tweets that we get to talk about. But we had a listener DM us and say, is Pioneer dead? And Spencer, since you are the guest this week, and I know Abe and I both have some strong opinions on this as well, I'll let you take the forefront. What do you think about Pioneer? Is it a, is it dead? Is it dying? Is it on life support? What do you think about it? It's hard. It's hard for me to know because I would have said no um, when I knew that they were working towards Pioneer on Arena, but I actually think that it might be dead. I think that they are seeing the benefits of what historic gets them as far as monetary value that pioneer is just not going to offer them because it's an online client and they, you know, if players want to get into it that are net new arena players, all of those funds go towards wizards. And I know this is like kind of a, you know, crappy answer, but the fact, the fact that we'll never be able to, I mean, I can't, I shouldn't say never, but it looks like with them canceling, or not canceling, uh, indefinitely postponing. <laughs> yeah, indefinitely <laughs> delaying the Pioneer Master per- production, not even the product. Yeah, They're still it, working on the product. So even if they start back up again, it'll be a little bit, but yes. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think that when you think about like what, what type of player is going to play Pioneer, it is the same type of player that's going to play Modern. And because of that, and because... Because Pioneer is almost as old as modern, like it, like you know, we we missed two years of Pioneer. People getting cards for Pioneer. So now, if you want to get into Pioneer in paper, and all of these new powerful cards have come out, you have to now get those cards. Uh, you know, the the same way that you would have gotten standard cards, which you know, just buying a bunch of boxes because they don't exist outside of that. If once once events start happening, um, I think I think it is dying and. I don't think it's Wizards' fault. I don't think it's players' fault. I I do I think that it's it is a, a victim of uh the a, a virus that <laughs> you know a global pandemic. So that's fair. Abe, curious what you think. Before you answer, it, can that. I can I ask you a question? <laughs> Before you answer, yeah, hit, hit, yeah. What? How many players are the Pioneer Challenges getting on MTGO? Pioneer Challenges are. Uh, firing with like a 10 to 15 player buffer. I know that they're the challenge that like uh, like my friend Jonathan Skennick, it's like the only challenge he plays on Sunday usually, I think. Um, whether or not that's because of like timing or whatever, I'm not sure for him person like specifically. I played it this weekend. Um, I think the format is actually 
doing really well compared to where it was this time last year for a lot of reasons. And I think it's actually in a good spot. And I'll tell you why. So, because it's a dead format that no one has pressure so cool because that it's, it gets to be played? <laughs> no, because it, <laughs> it, it's kind of that. So it's 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 a format that like basically was entirely stagnant for like the entirety of the last year, which is usually really bad, but now people are kind of getting back into it. It has reason for people to play it, on Moto at least, so people are playing it there. But um, the fact that a lot of people didn't get a chance to play with a lot of cards that are very powerful in their standard environments... Um, you know, that they are cards, like, you know, there's all these, like, Omnath decks that are very different from the Omnath decks you'll see in Modern. Um, like, there's a lot of things going on in the format that, as long as it is treated like a paper product and a paper format, I think give it a lot of room to breathe, and I would not come close to calling it dead. I think that the issue that you brought up about the fact that people don't have the cards and it's going to be very hard to, to access them is going to be very fixable if Wizards desires by putting together a pioneer supplementary product of like, you know, cards over these last like year and a half that we've missed. COVID and buy... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, so, um... it's funny. Cause uh, allegedly the, the cards sold like boxes sold really well still outside of like the LGS, like Amazon box, you know, like Amazon sold a ton of boxes. It just means that it went to one collectors and two commander players that, you know, probably just have yeah. a big pile of who knows what in there it yeah, was I, i'll just say to pioneer's credit there has been more innovation and more new decks popping up in the last like three weeks uh in that format than there have been in the last like six months before it and i think that says a lot of good things about the format and lots of them are just exploring new territory that hasn't been explored yet and i think that a lot of these cards that people didn't get a chance to really explore in standard environments if they're not arena players or maybe they did explore in standard environments on arena and then want to play with in paper um i think that there's like definitely a market for it and definitely a place for it in magic even if it's not on arena where historic has really you know taken and run with the identity it was given so i think there's a lot of room for it. I, when I started playing Magic, Extended existed. I never knew what an Extended deck looked like or what it was or like what oh, the man. format was like. That's but if too bad. played it and <laughs> it had a PTQ season <laughs> and even bad. when it was bad up until it was replaced by Modern, I, I don't think anyone called it dead until it was like, well, everyone's just going to play the same decks they're playing in Legacy with Stoneforge and then these like blue cards. And like, it's going to be broken decks fused together and no one's going to want to play. So then they made Modern. So I think that Pioneer, Pioneer's still got a long way before I call it dead. It is still in trouble, though. It, it, it will need some support. I think it is on life support right now. And I, and I think the reason Pioneer, and I have, hey, Jay, get, I'm ready for you to DM me after this episode and you get to this part, because then you just DM me about Pioneer every time I, I shit talk it. But uh, Pioneer, the reason Pioneer is cool right now and the reason all the decks are awesome is there's no pressure on the format. It's the format everyone always wanted where they like can play it kind of competitively and they can play whatever deck they want and they can like be a really good player and make it really far and have their tech or whatever because there's no pressure. It, it's modern ev- It's modern every year before the Pro Tour, right? Like when we had yeah. the Pro Tour every year in modern, we were like, modern's great, modern's great, no problems. And then like the Pro Tour happens everyone's like, oh my gosh, modern's the worst format in the world. Yeah, there's just no pressure. I just, I, I think the no pressure on Pioneer has made it like a fun format to play or whatever. And like, you just haven't had the crushing reality of like, redo Q- Willie Huma Jensen and like you know the rest like Seth Manfield sitting down and figuring the format out and then coming in there and then like having that information disseminate through the populace yeah and then the, the other thing is 
I think banning all the cool decks was a mistake. Once I we stopped that. banning all the cool, like like banning everything, at the, I was down with it first. But we've like stopped doing it randomly, and we're not trying to like figure out what's like. Part of the promise was things would get banned and unbanned, and like we got Oath and Nissa back, but like we haven't tried anything else. Like maybe Dig Through Time should be gone. That card's really messed up, and maybe they didn't have an inverter in the before I cast my identity. But you know, right uh, now it's just, like terrible. To Abe's credit, this second place list the has a two four three split on Mystic Goose and Elves, and I just think that's hot. And if that doesn't tell you that a format sweet is having a two four three split on your one mana dorks, I it's don't know what. It's four Goose, two Mystic, three Elves. In a mono green deck? No, no, no. This is this is the Jun Citadel deck, the oh, the company okay. Citadel deck. Okay, I thought you said Mono Green for some reason no. at the start. And I was like, if that doesn't tell you the format has no pressure on it, nothing does. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's actually, yeah. you know, it, it's in a it's in a good pattern right now. There's like the Citadel decks and there's like the Omneth decks and there's everything else trying to do it. I've seen like Hammer decks be tried out. I've seen a lot of like the, the Soul decks come back. Mm-hmm. You just, people, like if your LGS isn't running it because no one wants to play it in paper, that's going to be a problem. But I'm not sure that we're really at the point where like we need to worry about that. Because there's nothing that anyone's doing except for like, I guess modern events because LGSs know they'll sell. That like until we get an OP announcement, like and they're like, "Yep, we're never running another Pioneer event again." I'm not close to calling it dead. All right, Pioneer's the new popper. Understood. Gotcha. Why do you hurt me like this? Because <laughs> you know I'm right. It wouldn't hurt if you didn't know. If you thought I was wrong, you'd be like, "Whatever." Moving off my deck. Man, can you imagine Fine. how good Popper would be if they just banned cards like they did at the beginning of Pioneer and unbanned them like they did? That would be that format would be so much better. It probably would be great. <laughs> I have a Popper winter box coming up. I'm looking at the deck list and I'm like, holy cow, this looks not fun. Can't wait to play. Thanks to good people at Oasis Games. <laughs> but that's gonna do it for our Patreon question. Thank you so much for that question. And you want to talk about this more? Feel free to tweet at us or talk about it in the Discord that you can get by becoming a patron. Let's get into our main topic. This is, we're talking about the CCG, the CCMTG network today. And, you know, it's kind of occurring to me that some people, I imagine the smallest part of our audience might not actually know who Spencer is. You know, Spencer is the person who started Constructive Criticism, uh, runs the network and everything for all the shows that are on here with us. But it's occurring to me that about 25 minutes in the podcast, I, there is a chance that someone doesn't know you, you know, that is a small likelihood. So Spencer, who are you and why are you here? And what are we planning to talk about today? Yeah. Uh, the I am Spencer Helland. I am the former host of Constructor Criticism and the owner of Constructor Criticism, the, the podcast. Um, I My last episode was episode 314 or 312, something like that. Um. And I, I, I'm a Magic the Gathering player. I started playing, I don't know, I started playing like FNMs around the time that Worldweight came out. I started playing PTQs. I want to say after Mirrored and Besieged. It might have been a little bit even after that. Um, you know, played on the Pro Tour uh, at, least, at least once, I think once. Uh, played SCGs when they used to come out here. Um, Do yeah. Utah. No, so. they, there's only ever been one SC. No, I think there's been two SCGs in Utah. Um, that's right. Uh, d- don't do that again. That's a bad. That's a bad deal. <laughs> um, come to Vegas more though. I like going to the Vegas SCGs. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm a father of two kids, uh, recently had a daughter. She's two months old and two days today. And yeah, I, I started, right? Yeah. Her name is, uh, Mason. Mason. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I just, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I started constructive criticism. I don't what year was it? It was eight years ago in 2013. 2013? That sounds right. Uh, and it's funny, like looking back, one of the first things that's in our show notes here is like, why, why in the world would Spencer create this thing? And one of the things that I really like liked at the time about podcasts were there were like lots of really popular magic podcasts, but it, there were very few magic podcasts that legitimately tried to help you improve the game. And one of the things that I believe in pretty strongly, and even more now that my career path has changed, is that when you see a hole in the market, and it's something that you want, there's probably other people looking for it too. And so I, at the time, you know, my, my I was the only one of my friends that played Limited, and I really liked Limited Resources, and I was like, you know, I bet my other friends would like podcasts if they had a constructed version of Limited Resources. And rather than, you know being the 2,000th person to tell Marshall that he should make one, I just decided to make one myself. Um, it, it was really cool. Like, episode 12, we had on Ali Trazi to talk about brewing. Episode 13, we had on John Finkel. Um, you know, we had Alex Hain, PVDDR. Uh, like, we really, like, hit the ground running on guests. It was it was nuts. And what one of our goals was, like, or my, the number one goal that I had, really, was I want to find a podcast that if I listen to every week and I go to a PTQ, I will know what my expected metagame will be. Um, and so, you know, we came up with the power rankings. You know, so I think Channel Fireball actually now has a top five power rankings article every other week or something. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, and we based it off of Frank Carson's article on how to rank decks and things like that. And, yeah, it was, it was, it, it blew up about, uh, year in, um, there was there was one time where CCMTG was the most popular constructed podcast. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know we're still here today, and it is one of those things where the show has had to change and morph, and you know, like the message of wanting to help players is still definitely there, but unfortunately, you know, there aren't really P- uh, PTQs that are accessible for everyone every weekend let alone because of COVID. And so, you know, we have had to kind of change the show a little bit to kind of match that. And also, you know, it, it does, uh, the market's changed, right? Like there are a lot of shows out there and there are a lot of things that you can go and listen to and hear about decks, you know? Arena Decklist is like probably the most popular one of those to be uh, frank. Do they, do like, they talk about decks on that show? I Well, <laughs> not recently, but... I don't blame anyone during the COVID times for stretching an episode, let alone us, Abe. We talked about the same sets for two weeks, buddy, without saying magic stuff. Let's go. Sometimes we're going to crank an episode out. No, but uh, jokes aside, yeah, uh, you know, we're trying to change. We have to change and adapt and grow with it, right? And I, I remember that was the thing that when I first started, you know, when I joined the podcast, it was behind the scenes stuff. I remember having a conversation about that where it's like, we have to do a bit more episodes that are like level up things and these sort of things yeah. because there aren't things like that. And there aren't things targeted towards newer and up and coming players. That's just a market that is criminally underrepresented. Everyone's either a super spike or you're just starting. There's never the middle step for anything. Yeah. I actually think that that time where, where you kind of joined on the, the production side is probably the best part of, 
constructive criticism's history, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, listen, I love John Stern and Seth Manfield. I love Casey, and I, you know, I love Matt. But I really do think that that and Mason and Abe, they're really great. They're they're great too. <laughs> uh, but I, I really do think that like that that time where it was me and Michael talking about lessons that Michael and I had already learned, and then also sharing our experience on our team getting like we had, you know, I think we had two silver pros, two bronze pros on our team, and like, you know, we had me building decks for people to help them get on the pro. Like it was. It was definitely a time where I think we were sharing a lot of things as we learned them for kind of that that middle grinder, as well as still getting those awesome guests and things like that. I think that that was a really good time during the show. I agree. I I, I think you and I have talked about this before, and I don't know if Abe's gone back and listened to Hinderocker, but you know a lot of people talk about Jay Dean being the best or second best writer of all time. You know, and the only person really in Jay Dean's camp is Paul Vitor Domenoroso. When they when talk about magic writing, it's, it has to be one of those two, at least in the current era. And I feel the same way about Hinderocker when it comes to conveying his concepts and lessons via the podcast. He really was one of the best people at like explaining his thing in a very digestible way yeah. and very maybe almost too short at times. But he was very good at like, this is the thing, go. And we've seen that play out with him working at Watsi and doing that sort of yeah. stuff and he, just being so great at that. He was definitely the perfect co-host for me, too. I think that he like he he brought kind of a different energy to the show like he that i i did not bring and i really like that yep well that's kind of the little bit of the history of cc there and spencer and everything uh but spencer we're kind of talking about the ccmtg network and all that sort of thing so why has it added shows why has it grown yeah let's kind of just start there and work through it a little bit yeah so the first show i think that was ever added was limited time only which is a retired show um, it was a show that I started with two of my friends, Travis Padilla and uh, Sammy Patarse, and they are great guys. I actually played, uh, tested with with Travis for Proto Origins, um, and it, it was it, it was a hoot. Like the they were really good Magic players. Like when I started playing Magic, um, you know, p- and people talk about like the best Magic players in Utah, like they were some of the names that came up. And so you know, they were they were people that I I really wanted to be involved with. Um, you know, multiple Pro Tours, GP Top Eight, stuff like that. Um, eventually, you know, just like everything that, that show changed, we got other pro tour competitors, Danny Cather joined that show and and kind of things evolved, you know, whether it was kind of adding, adding, I mean, you talked about how CCMDG changed, right? And when CCMDG changed, like that means that there became other room on the network for different things. You know, we've, we've had lots of podcasts that have come and gone, right? Even odds was one kind of focused on on this like this more this more laid back version of helping people get better and understand a metagame and prepare them for that rather than like very strict constructed and level up episodes it and you know we had a, a pioneer podcast that is dead because that format's dead abe um <laughs> and <laughs> And, you know, stuff right. like stuff like that, uh, you know, there, there's been tons of things that and the reason that you usually add a show to this network or that I that I add a show to the network. Like, for example, I straight up added common knowledge because there was no podcast about understanding the popper meta game and winning a pop. Like there was none. There was lots of great popper podcasts that talked about popper and they were really fun. But like you could not go and like if I wanted to jump into a popper event, I would there was there was not like a 
thing that I could jump into to do that. So that's why Common Knowledge was created, was for selfish reasons for me, so that I could play Popper on Magic Online and not feel lost. For example, recently, you know, with, with the fact that I didn't have time to do limited time only anymore, uh, you know, when, I, when the opportunity came up to work with Sam Black, I, I really jumped on it. And so I think that, like, the main reason that the, sh- the network has grown and added shows is just kind of the same reason that this podcast started, right? It's to help the type of player that we're trying to help, the person trying to get better at magic and learn something. So That's awesome. Well, um, let's kind of talk about each of these shows and et cetera. And, you know, we've kind of already talked about CC, but we should probably still take a minute, you know, just to kind of mention everything. Um, CC is in kind of a weird space. I mean, with the pandemic and everything, we have been, and I mentioned this a little bit, I think when Abe's first episode, we spent about 15 minutes talking about it publicly, where it's like, with the pandemic and the way competitive magic is and the way you're qualifying, the target audience for that sort of thing is really, it's kind of left high and dry. And so we are kind of waiting on stuff and, you know, we kind of look for SCG to fill that void. And, uh, you know, we, we don't even know if the Invitational is happening right now, thanks to the Delta. It's still not announced what their mask mandates are. And honestly, you know, Without a mass mandate, it might as well just not happen in my mind. So it's something like that sort of stuff where, yeah, I think I think constructive criticism, as far as the network goes, is in definitely had the hardest time. Like, uh, even even like if you think about, you would think that it might be something like um, like common knowledge, right? Where you know most of these people that are listening are either. They're either empty Joe grinders, which, you know, it didn't affect them, but, like, the other half of their audience are just these people that go to their local weekly popper events, right? And so, like, how do you do that? And what happened is that people started playing popper via webcam and stuff. And, like, that was just never going to happen for the audience for constructive criticism. But I think that the goals and, like, what each show and what Always Improving encompasses for constructive criticism is always there for any player who plays any focus any constructed format and that's one of the things that i think one of the reasons why when you look at like the patrons who who are patrons of constructed criticism like the majority of them have been patrons for a really long time um and and that's because this show brings it it really does like whether it's you and ali whether it's you and abe uh especially you and abe like you guys bring this this want and this desire that I think is, is, is felt through the podcast. Um, and I think it's really necessary for this show. Yeah. I mean, I'll say that since I've joined, I know that Mason, I've had this conversation about, you know, like when are events coming back? How is that going to feel? We kind of know like when there's, when there's an SCG to look forward to, or there's a GP to look forward to, or just any, a PTQ season, anything consistent for everyone to latch onto. We know what that kind of content to help people get to that next step and achieve that next level is going to look like. But in the absence of it, you know, we've done a lot of this stuff about card evaluations and, you know, the new sets and as like what we're learning from them, but finding content that uh, I think has really been able to provide value to the listener uh, in a way that's, you know, for the people we're trying to do this for the people who want to get better um, is something that is really difficult right now. And, and especially like, I think the whole network is doing a really good job of, of finding a way through that. And, you know, CC as much, you know, we memed about it earlier about like, you know, we've talked about the same set for like two of the last three episodes, but at the same time, like that is really just, we're trying to find ways to, to do that for you. And, uh, you know, hope it's well received and stuff. 
Yeah. It, it is. We, I understand as a competitive player, if someone wants to compete and been there and I have a lot of friends like that still, where it is hard to want to do these sort of things without that there. And with the people who are there and able to learn, we're trying to give you skills that will teach you how to fish and not give you a fish. We, we could just do episodes like some other shows do where we just dump data and deck listing stuff every single week, every single time. No problem. Uh, but I don't think that is most in line with our goals to do that consistently week to week to week. And that's why, you know, we had the decision to do things and like why Abe's idea to like re-review sets is like, it's a great way to actually like review our process and learn and do stuff. And honestly, it's a, also a fun time, I think, for listeners. So hopefully I'll like that stuff. I also think that like those style of episodes where you're challenging yourself is kind of at the heart of constructive criticism, right? Like that's the entire goal of the show is this process is, is this process driven or this process oriented results driven mentality, right? It's, it's, I say that in interviews all the time, like the, the, the people will tell me they're like, you know, we're looking for a results oriented person. And I'm like, that's not me. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm just like, I'm process driven. I'm process oriented while being results driven. If the, if my process is not giving me the results that I want, I will change my process, but it's all oriented around finding the right things that's going to move me forward. And magic is what taught me that. 100%. Uh, let's talk about Mythic Cast. That's the show that you host um, right now with Michaela. And what's kind of that show about and everything going forward with that? Yeah, so the goal of the, sh- of the show originally, the original idea for the show was to promote Mythic players. Like up-and-coming Mythic players, people who are grinding on Mythic and things like that. Um, and, you know, helping other people achieve Mythic. And that is still the goal of the show. You know, we try to do one episode a month where we bring on a player who achieved Mythic uh, and talk, have them talk about the deck that got them to Mythic or, or the draft format or whatever we're talking about. And then uh, we try to do episodes that are focused around things that will happen that, that will help you get Mythic, whether it's uh, limited set reviews. We, we go over the top three commons and uncommons for each color um, in draft. We uh, we do kind of these these top these these cards that you might want to craft episodes um, for like you know top five cards that you probably are gonna want to craft when the set comes out stuff like that. Um, it's really fun. Michaela, Michaela I combined Mythic Michaela in the same <laughs> word there. That was great. Uh, Michaela is a two-time pro pro competitor. Um, you know she I think she just took I don't know if it was this VML but the one before I think she took second at uh, like. She, she is, you know, a great player and somebody that's really kind of brings that same style of energy um, that I was talking about earlier where, you know, it's really helpful. And she, you know, when I was, I interviewed people to be my co-host for this show and she blew me out of the water when we were interviewing. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's talk about drafting archetypes, which I feel like has really kind of exploded onto the scene. It's really funny, by the way, to hear at the LGS where not everyone knows that I do this podcast thing. Like, I don't like I it's, it's funny. We talk about always promoting back in the day and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, you know, like a show, or whatever. But I actually just don't like that's yeah. it's like more of a bit than anything. And a lot of people don't I, know. That I actually I, think and, you're you're like super introverted in real life. Like yeah. super duper introverted. And it does not come across that way on the podcast at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm much, definitely much more soft, you know, soft-spoken and that sort of thing uh, in person. And a lot of people just don't know that Drafting Archetypes uh, is like our sister show or whatever. And I listen to them talk about it, and I'm like, yeah, 
I know about drafting archetypes. Sorry, it's just a fun little. Uh, I don't know if you <laughs> talked about that, but it's it's really funny to hear that. I heard it at the two K that I was at, and I don't expect the people in Knoxville just like four hours from me in Tennessee to know it. But it was like, yeah, man, that's uh, my sister show. <laughs> it, it was it was really funny. I was at the pre-release, and uh, people were talking about the episode that Sam did before the pre-release about, um, you know, he had just done uh, the like, you know, what his thoughts were going to the format thing, and people were talking about it. And, you know, it, it was it was even weirder for me sitting there <laughs> like, yeah. as, as I'm like, yeah, keep talking about it please. <laughs> for like the percentage of that show that I own. I'm just like, yeah, like I want to show it out. But like, I feel awkward now. <laughs> no, Sam, Sam had a really good idea. Um, it, it's really funny because it was actually something that Michaela and I had talked about doing um, for like for mythic cast like like when we have a deck that we really like in a format like just straight up doing an archetype deep dive for uh for for limited and so yeah i i think that what sam is doing fits so perfectly into this network where he is just teaching you what it when you're in this seat when you end up in this deck what are the comments you want what are the uncommons you want what gets you into it you know, what are the, where do I think this deck actually sits? How often should you be in here? And, like, really dissecting that aspect of Limited is really perfect for the type of player that's going to listen to Constructive Criticism or Mythic Cast. Yeah, when you talk about process, it's really hard to, to get any better than someone like Sam Black. Oh, yeah. Known especially for his just absolute masterclass of a process that is so untouched by, you know, so many other players who don't see the game in nearly the same light that he does. And he's someone who even prides himself a bit on just not, not caring about results so much as he cares about refining and honing that process. It's, it's really just such a great fit for the network. Yeah, I think, I think so. And I think that his, it's crazy to like, listen to that show sometimes. Cause like, I'll listen to that show and I'll just be like, this is, this is no, nothing against anything that you guys are creating or that I'm creating, but like I listen to him like this is the best magic podcast. Like this is it. <laughs> I couldn't create something like this, Sam. How are you doing this? And it, it's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. It, we mentioned it here, but I think the thing that is the most impressive or valuable, I would say, in the cast really is. Like we said, Sam Black is so different and does approach things so differently. And at least for me, getting to hear that stuff and talk to people who are good at magic helps me learn a lot. And just getting to learn Sam's thought process about this stuff. And a lot of times, I don't even really draft that much. But getting to like hear his thoughts and everything about that really helps expand my range and my understanding of it. And you know, even if you don't draft a whole lot, I highly suggest if you yeah. have at least a good understanding of the cards. If, if limited GPs come back and you have a GP trip, like... I cannot express like just even if you never play limited, you should just go to a limited GP, put on his episodes for these archetypes on your drive up or whatever. Like they're only 30 to 45 minutes and you will have an understanding of what the archetypes in that format look like by the time you get to the Grand Prix. I agree. Homeward path. Yeah. So this one's, this one's the most different show on the format. And one of the reasons that I wanted to be a part of this show was kind of its premise in twofold one i really liked the idea of this this father doing a podcast in the time that he had it which was on his like drive home from work 
and mm-hmm. you know trying to focus on doing everything that he could as a dad to get better at Magic the Gathering in the time that he has. You know, we some not all of us have the the time or the resources to put in as much work as we want. And so him just cataloging his journey as an MTG dad and trying to give advice to other MTG dads for here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't work for me. Here's where I learned from this was really interesting to me. And I, I think that Adam has changed the most. I actually think Adam has improved the most as just a podcaster um, of the podcasters on the network. And, you know, he's really taken always improving to heart in trying to refine himself as a podcaster. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about things that he can do to improve the show, improve, you know, community around it and and things like that. And I I really do think that, like, if you're looking for relatable content and you're a parent that, like, doesn't have time to maybe do the grind as much but want to stay as competitive as you can, I actually think that's a really fun podcast. Awesome. And then Common Knowledge. Yeah, I think this is the best popper podcast out there, and I don't think it's close. Um, I also just I think it just has the most you know listeners of any popper podcast at this point, and I think the reason for that is we have had uh, some. I've gotten really lucky, um, like really lucky, uh, with 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 the the hosts. The we had a whole host change recently. Um, and you know, one of the things that I really wanted when I started this show was I wanted somebody who was focused on the competitive side of popper and somebody who was focused on the brewing side of popper, somebody who wanted to understand the metagame and just win. And somebody who wanted to, you know, break barriers and change things. And I think that right now with, um, with Brad and Christian, you get the same thing that you got before on this show and it, it it's really good for for like they have an amazing editor too um that just they're they're trying to help you get better at magic in the most affordable way popper possible which is popper so like if you are looking to get into popper you want to start playing those popper challenges which i recommend i think popper is while not in a great place right now whenever popper is good it's like one of the best magic formats um so yeah Awesome. So what's next for the network? What can we be expecting? Yeah. So um, I, I kind of talked about how I took took kind of a break from Magic. And in that, I also took a break from, you know, we used to do, I used to do um, a weekly video with whether it was Mason or Matt Kling um, uh, called Constructed Clash. I then also did a weekly deck tech. And I think that that is right now, where the future is, is like more of those style of, of videos, probably not adding. We have a really good, you know, podcast group. Like as far as like, if you're looking for a network of podcasts, uh, I think you there's something for everybody here. And so kind of what's next is finding ways to add value to the current roster of podcasts, whether that's like, you know, doing a video series with like hosts talking about like what they've learned or something like that. But like that video content that in all honesty, I think that smash has changed my mind a lot about what magic content is missing. Like magic content is mostly articles. Um, it almost, almost like by default, it's crazy. Um, and for what 
I think is the most consumable right now for people is video and audio. And so I think the natural progression for this, you know, even though we tried to do articles for a long time on constructivecritism.com, we had, a, you know, five writers at one point. I think the next thing is, is probably video stuff. Sure. Awesome. That's pretty exciting. And kind of the question that gets asked a lot is, are the events coming back? Uh, I believe that there will be events, whether it is from Constructor Criticism or from Heasy Game Media, there will be more magic events that will come. Um, I have two kids, and I don't know if anybody's tried to single-handedly run an event uh, in a Discord all by yourself, even with just like 25 people but it's like an all day you're in front of your computer like if you go to the bathroom people get mad at you type of thing like it, it's actually kind of hard um, i've done it in person in the lgs setting and it is somehow <laughs> easier to do it in person than online when you think that just sending people messages and telling them to go play would be easier somehow. <laughs> yeah it there there will be events um that that is the question i get like a lot, and I think the, the you know it's it was really cool when when we were doing those CCMTG opens that you know with with Oasis Games, a lot of people told me they were just their actual favorite Magic events, right? And it's hard not to just love a Magic event that's free that you paid out like, you know, <laughs> a bunch of money in, but I I don't know I I think that a, a huge reason for that is like the people that came to it were typically people who had the same goals as you, and. I don't know. I, I think that that's why they were fun. So I want if I do it again, I'm gonna want to do it, where, where where people feel like they can come and figure out where they're at in Magic, and and stuff like that. Well, hey, if you need to figure out the prize payout thing, I know some guys at a place called uh, Outside Esports. Um, I'm sure they can help us out. Is uh, it Outside Esports that you're thinking of, or are you talking about? Um... Uh, oh, sorry, Insight. Sorry, I get this. In, too Insight. They launched a new brand Insight. recently, Outside in Sports. Yeah, yeah. Outside Did they actually? No, that's a joke. Oh, I was <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we can call up Chipotle, too, if you want. <laughs> yeah. that, get those Chipotle sponsorships rolling in. We'll get those yeah, those yeah, events going. Yeah. I do think that there's a hole in the it, – it's funny because, like, you know, I think last week on – I know that you guys, I know Mason doesn't listen to podcasts very much anymore, but like they were talking about how, you know, there's no place for anybody other than CFB channel or Star City Games or, or, uh, or uh, arena deck lists or, or, or wizards to run events. And I just don't agree. Like, I think that magic players will come if you give them an event that's worth playing in. Uh, You know, we had, we had over a hundred people for a free event that gave out like you know five hundred dollars in store credit to oasis games so like that's just not true uh you just have to not be a scumbag and steal people's money (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that makes it a little harder yeah yeah i I think that online tournaments are definitely i i disagree with that statement too spencer i think that online tournaments definitely have a chance like the you just have to be in the right place in advertising well lotus box was able to capitalize really well back last march yeah i think that there's a ton of room people really want it obviously i I hope i hope that what's next for this network though is is bigger than just like you know free half k's or you know videos on youtube i actually hope what's next is like you know, giving giving 
getting people onto whatever the next version of the pro tour like that's that's ultimately the goal right is like helping people achieve their magic goals that's what this show is about that's what every show on the network is about and so like if if their magic goals are to be like the best player on the ccmtg <laughs> invitational series right. that yeah like that's awesome but you know we'll I, we'll cross that bridge when it happens it's awesome well, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Spencer, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to talk about all of that sort of stuff uh, regarding the network and the show and everything. It was great to have you back for the week. And we hope to have you back here again soon. And you see, uh, Abe, I told you I'd get you uh, a guest. Now, maybe I said it would be, you know, Hayne, and maybe I got you Spencer. But I think that's called trade offer. And what do you think? Should, we both, I... should we both text Hayne right now and see who he answers first? Uh, I think we can probably answer whoever he saw first. <laughs> you want to you shake on it, Mason? Good deal. Good deal. It was great having you, Spencer. Yeah. I love being here. Well, if you want to find Spencer, you can find him each and every week on Mythic Cast, which is on the Constructive Criticism Network. Some of you, when you subscribe to podcasts, you might be subscribed to the network, which means you're going to be getting all the podcasts that we talked about today since you're a feed directly and you probably know. But some of you might be uh, subscribed just to Constructive Criticism feed, in which case those other shows might have been a bit of a surprise to you, especially if you're a newer listener. And so you can check out all those shows there. And you can find Spencer each and every week on Mythic Cast. And you can find him on Twitter at Spencer13H. Just like you can find Abe at More No Things and me at Mason E. Clark. And you can find me each and every Thursday at CardKingdom.com. They hired me for another year. They gave me a raise. Idiots. I have so many memes ready. I'm just going <laughs> to cash in. They, they, got, they just made a mistake. Just, I, I got to do a Splinter Twin tier list last year and an Omnath obituary. I have so many dumb things ready for this next year. You cannot get ready. So make sure to check all that stuff out. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Constructive Criticism. Are you looking for that newest single to complete your deck? That missing piece the card just can't seem to find anywhere else? Well, go to our sponsor, OasisGames.com, and get the cards you're looking for. Use code CCMTG at checkout off your first order to get 15% off. And use code WouldThatBeGood, all one word at checkout, to get 4% back on every order in store credit. Oasis Games has all the singles you need for any standard, modern, pioneer, EDH or Legacy deck. So make sure to check them out and let them know that we sent you by using the code CCMTG and would that be good at checkout.